Hello and welcome to Dinosaur Man News and Reviews. I'm Andy Hughes. I'm here with Alex Hudson. We're excited to announce this week, obviously with D23 just gone, mm-hmm. uh, that we are going to be the first and I believe only podcast that's going to be streaming on Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah, we're as in the of podcast section. First of November 2019. It's very ungaming to get to the podcast section. Now. Mm. You have to go back through all of the films that are on mm. there first. They've said they've made it all of the deliberately series. as obtuse as possible. Mainly because I feel that we were just owed a favour by Bob Iger. That's well, the only we, reason we're we on there. We did keep our mouth shut about what we saw that time. <laughs> I didn't see Mickey murder him. What? I didn't. Oh. <laughs> it's a different thing than I was thinking of, so uh, I think we're owed two favours. If I could do a good We'll also Mickey have a TV show on Disney+. Plus. If I could do a good Mickey Mouse impression, I would do the line from Iroh of, I did not murder him, but uh, as Mickey Mouse. Could like, I? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I did not murder him. That's pretty... Uh-huh. Okay. That's the closest thing I can yeah. do to Vicky. Okay. But, theatre of the mind, guys. Mm. Now you get to do that to yourself. It's like. been a while since you've seen James Cromwell as well, so, you know. <laughs> of course you did not murder him, Mickey. <laughs> we believe you. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be great to be involved in our corporate overlords, but the Disney. Th- the thing about iRobot is that he didn't murder him. The, the blood all over Mickey's baseball bat. Yeah, ba- but... Baseball. Mm. Um, says that he may have been telling a little fib. But also, mm. I wouldn't tell Bob. I wouldn't tell... Sorry, but Sonny in... Iger. But Sonny in iRobot didn't kill James Cromwell, did he? No, and no. neither did Mickey. Oh, okay. He okay. did not murder him. Sorry, um, the the club has just arrived outside. Wow, that was a that was a loud car. Um, in another case where we've mentioned something we can hear, but we'll not be picked up by. Uh, yeah, I don't know if the mics are that good, but there was a car that blasted some heavy bass as it drove by there. Uh, I've got headphones on, and I still heard it. Yes. So well, I, I heard the vibrations through my back. I'm talking about good. Okay. Um. Yep. My Captain America Bass Beast Boys tribute band does Good Vibraniums as a cover of that song. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll see you in my cell phone. <laughs> so it's just me on the podcast this week, guys. He's left. Uh, busy week. Fucking lots to do. Lots to do, lots to do, lots to do. Uh, I suppose there could be a song sung by the shield of I Get Around. Mm-hmm. Because it's round. A round shield. Yeah. Yep. Any more? I um, can't think of any more Beach Boys songs right now. Is there a character called Rhonda <laughs> in... Romanoff? Help me, Romanoff doesn't work. No. Um, no. No. Wanda. Uh, Wanda, yeah, there we go. Happy yeah, Wanda. Wanda Maximoff. There we go. Perfect. Okay, uh, tune in next tour? week for more Beach Boys Marvel puns. Uh, I'll be in Pittsburgh on the 15th. Yes. That's my of, only show. Of what? <laughs> okay. Of uh, September? Mm. Maybe, okay. <laughs> um, cool. I was just told 15th and get out of my office. <laughs> so we got three reviews this week. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, we do. Fucking hell. There's, there's so, many, um, so much news. So man. much reviews. Uh, so we've got three reviews this week. We're going to be reviewing Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. We're we going to be reviewing Good Boys mm-hmm. and uh, Blinded by the Light. 
So two films which have come out over a week ago. One film which is relatively fresh. Yes. Uh, Blinded by the Light, I think, came out three weeks ago. So well, we got there <laughs> late to the party we got there on that eventually. one. Uh, yes, we got there eventually. Um, but obviously, before we do reviews, yes, we have news to start with. News mm. and before we start with movie news, yeah, there's only one place to go. Uh huh. If you think I'm unprepared, <laughs> you're wrong. I got something. Gaming good. news. Okay. I'm not doing the theme tune this week. What? 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 what, 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 what what? <laughs> what was that? That was my impression of the um, the woman who, mm. in the vine, has ah, lipstick poured okay. in her Valentino bag. And she oh, goes, yeah. you got lipstick in my Valentino You're bag? <laughs> okay, good. That one. I'm great. Um, I could be booked for any parties you need a vine impersonator. Okay. Um, I could do them all. Cool. An avocado. Thanks. To anyone? LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, this is all good. Um, is just... that a weed? <laughs> uh, okay, cool. <laughs> Fine fans. Love that moment. <laughs> okay, uh, let's do gaming news. I'm very upset that there's no... Gaming Yay! is a name of a game, and I want to play that game with you. Gaming is an idea of a game, play the game with you. <laughs> These are the ways we play the game, and these are the ways we play our games and gaming. Gaming, no man, yo. What I like is that every time you sing it, after uh-huh. the first line, I hear a tone in your voice change that says, I hate this. I do hate this, and I hate that I committed to doing it. I didn't commit to doing it. But what is the gaming G- news? Gaming news. Uh, Tyler Blevins news, everyone. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, so, obviously, Tyler Ninja Blevins has got a new yep. book out that we reviewed last week as a piece of trash. Um, this week, uh, it's emerged that Tyler Blevins was famous before he was a Fortniter. What? Tyler Blevins and his family, a.k.a. the Blevinses. Oceans of Blevins. Nice. Uh, they appeared on Family Feud in 2015 oh. and won $40,000. Allowing him to set up his media empire. In a four-day stint on the show. So, apparently the Blevinses were very good hmm. at Family Feud. Uh, won $40,000 and then uh, lost to a family from Tennessee. The Beams. Oh, so uh, that's why he's got that famous beef now with Jimmy Beam, <laughs> the whiskey. <laughs> it's because Tyler Blevins does not condone drinking. Um, I presume. Family Feud is one of those basically Family Fortunes, yeah? Yeah, that's right. Steve Harvey hosts it over there. Yeah, yeah. okay, over here. Uh, yeah, kind of like the UK's answer to Steve Harvey, I suppose. Is he? No, absolutely not. He's not a stand-up comedian, is he? I've never seen Vernon Kay do any stand-up comedy. He did Pop World, I think, and that's about it. Mm, yeah. Um, it, Vernon Kay is the UK's answer to Ashton Kutcher, <laughs> because he looks enough like him, hair-wise. Yeah, but, yeah, but the important thing for Vernon Kay is mm. Ashton Kutcher is more talented than him. Okay. Um, so what So what does this gaming news, what's it done in the gaming sphere? Like, have people been dealing with this news? Well... Good. Has it just gone under the radar and nobody really cares about it? Um, so, it's been 
a long time without you, my friend. I don't know. Uh, no, uh, so this story doesn't have legs, okay. is what I found out. <laughs> I've read it and gone, okay, now I'm done. Uh, so essentially, at that point, he was still a gamer, hmm. and he just won $25,000 for doing some Halo stuff. He was okay. working on Halo at that point. Uh, and he told so he told Steve Harvey that he was one of the world's best Halo players, and Steve Harvey's reaction was obviously going to be. Does he go? Hey, you, you can't you can't make you can't see the face through video games. That will never catch on. He and he made like, a, just and he said, Steve I made twenty five thousand on it, and I've only made forty thousand on your shit for brain show. And he goes, Steve Harvey, I'll come back to you when I can literally buy you. Uh, he says, I'm a professional video game player. I travel across the country and compete playing video games. I'm one of the best Halo players. Uh, so Ninja's first question, mm-hmm. if you want to know that. Why not? They, this is exactly... this. <laughs> you know it's a busy week. Content. Uh-huh. Name something a wife might have to force her husband to wear. Ah, uh, um... Uh, what do you uh, think he answered with? Or um, maid's outfit. His answer was underwear, which came fourth on the survey. Where did Maine's outfit come in? Uh, nope. Uh, Cody Blevins' follow-up of deodorant uh, was a strikeout, apparently. Oh, mm, terrible. Unbelievable. Right. A lot of good smelling men out there. That's what we're saying. Ni- oh, it says here Maid's was 17th on the survey. There we go. I've won Family Feud. Mm, with no people <laughs> saying it. <laughs> And no one, it was me. No, it's not always, even not even one. The they couldn't find you. Um, uh, so there you go. No, great. I love the fact that you know there's been Gamescom this week where there's been a load of real great games. That's not a fucking thing. Shut and up. Just gone. No, we're going to come on to talk about mm-hmm. Blevins. Yeah. Um, uh huh. I saw the tra- the kind of gameplay trailer for that Avengers game. I uh, don't know what you're talking about, and I don't care. There's an Avengers game. Uh, I told you about this. Is its name Tyler Ninja Blevins? Yes. Mm, lies. Like, all, the, all the words kind of mix up. Mm. And it's well Avengers. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. But yeah, that looks all right. Okay. It looks all Cl- right. It doesn't. It doesn't look too. Mm. Like, the thing is, it's combat looks a bit clunky at the moment. Things like that. But the problem is, I'll probably end up buying it anyway. Because I'm a shill. Okay. Um, but it was good to see actually kind of how it plays and how it looks. And it's still kind of, by looks, things keeping a lot of stuff under wraps of what that game's actually about. Um, but no. Yeah. Cool stuff. Cool. Hey, man. There's a fucking load of news. Where do you want to start, to be honest? Uh, like- let's get the little stuff out of the way. So, some trailers this week have dropped. Uh, let's talk, first of all, Lady and the Tramp trailer. Weird. Lady and the Tramp will be streaming on Disney Plus this uh, this holiday season. Do not like it. Scare- scared of wet dog eyes. They look kind of human, but also kind of doggy, and also kind of dead behind the eyes. I saw a tweet that said, um, they're animated dogs, but somehow they still managed to make her look 18 and him 45. Well done, Hollywood. That's how it's supposed to be. That's the beautiful story behind this, is that it's an age gap romantic comedy. I mean, it is Justin Theroux and uh, Tessa Thompson, so, you know, the age gap is... Not 18 to 45, but something to 45. Um, but no, I never really liked Lady and Trump as a story. Like, I'll be honest, of... I think I've seen it once, and the only thing I remember is they eat spaghetti. Does it have racist cats in it? Is that, is that Lady Siamese and Trump? Siamese cats, yeah, yeah. yeah. Racist Siamese cats. But they've taken out for mm-hmm. this. No, um... they've actually added more. 
<laughs> the six whole of thing, them now. The whole thing is And they just... call themselves the triad. <laughs> hey, I'm not the one making this show. But they've just gone all the way out. Uh, yeah, so that uh, that drops this Christmas time. I, I understand why they've put it to Disney Plus, I think, because I think they went... Yeah, with... it's one of the lesser known... Lesser... Like, it's like Dumbo. I think if Disney Plus was out when Dumbo was being released, that might have found itself on to there. Mm. Um, because at the end of the day, I think people, some people will have a fond men- memory of Lady and Tramp, but I don't think it's one that actually. I don't think any of them know how to stream anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> more trailers. Uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, the uh, the movie is called El Camino. Yes, uh, a Breaking Bad movie, I believe, is maybe the full title at yeah, this yeah. point. Um, had a teaser trailer where it's just sort of forty seconds of uh, footage. Uh, I still don't want this, but that little trailer made me want to go back and watch Breaking Bad again. Mm. Like I want to go enjoy that series. Again well, you're going to be able to watch an hour and a half of it, but you know, different. Well, I'm I'm just concerned. My biggest concern about this has always been of does it give me too much away about the ambiguous ending that I actually I actually enjoyed. I know yes. some people. I know some it people felt that they they didn't like it. They didn't get any closure, mm-hmm. which means this might work for them. But for me, the ambiguity of it, whether actually Heisenberg survives or not, uh, what actually happens to Jesse Pinkman after all of that, mm. that for me is the stuff that I really like. I like the fact that it seems like it's its not complete. Yeah. And that's something I really like. John, know my, my theory for this film? Uh, sure. It's Jesse Pinkman, uh, and he's got... He's got a ghost Brian Cranston following him around. <laughs> <laughs> and he just won't shut up. Well, mine is, um, it's actually called Jesse Pink Panther Man. Oh. Um, in which he is the mm-hmm. cartoon Pink Panther now. Oh, nice one. And also Steve Martin's there. <laughs> from the terrible version from the 2000s. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't care. Oh, uh, That's hitting exclusively Netflix, I believe. Um, yeah, it's not getting a cinematic release, it's just Netflix. Yeah, I'll probably watch it just because it's probably something to review. On here, and I'll see kind of how it's going. This week has shown that we don't suffer from needing things to review. <laughs> the last few weeks have shown maybe. <laughs> hey, last week we reviewed so much. One thing? What did we review? I don't know. Hobson Shaw? Was that last week? No, no, I did it. Um, anyway, uh, James Bond has got a title Too Old to Die. Too um, Good Looking to Die Young. So that's going to happen. Is it actually called Too Old to Die? Too Old to Die, 007. Too Old to Die. I mean, it's just called Too Old to Die at the moment. Uh, so we're saying he's dying in this film. Yeah. I think uh, estimated release day some, sometime around 2030 at this point. Um, <laughs> in which case, yes, he will be too old to die at that point. Um, so that's some movement there. Nothing else to be said on I heard, that, really. I heard a rumour that at the end of that film he regenerates into a younger Bond. Like, yeah. he, he takes the uh-huh. heart of the Aston Martin into his stomach. Yeah, and, and then he turns into David Tennant. Yeah, 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 yeah sure. <laughs> he eats he eats car parts until he turns into David Tennant. You uh, see the sign saying, bad wolf everywhere for some reason. <laughs> um, That's as much as I remember about that series of Doctor Who, the only series I think I watched. So, uh, more stuff is um, D23. Obviously, we've had some announcements yeah. there. Uh 
Black Panther will be uh, Black Panther two will be released 20, May twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty something. Twenty twenty one, I believe. I, I looked it up earlier. I didn't actually. May twenty twenty one is what I believe it is. Yeah, sure. Let's shooting next year. That sounds about right. Um, so this is following on from Martin Freeman saying that he's coming back for it, uh, which we reported on last week. Um, mm-hmm. In addition to this, what else is happening in the Disney stuff? Okay, um, so um, am I correct or wrong? Oh, about the release date. Twenty twenty May twenty twenty one. There's so many. I'll find on this it. Page. Okay. Um, basically, I was looking for a certain page because I was like, "Oh, they announced everything," and then I was like, "Oh no, there's hundreds of pages. Mm-hmm. There's hundreds of pages." Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Maybe. Okay, I'm going to say May twenty twenty one. If cool. I'm wrong, super. <laughs> That's cool. Okay. Um, you uh, clearly are looking for something. Another Stephen King adaptation's coming out. Which one? Um, uh, the girl who loved... Tom Gordon. Yeah, Tom Gordon. Yeah. No idea what that is. You might like it. Um, okay, so stuff that was announced. Um, there's going to be a MCU theme park at Disney. Of course. Of course. With a Spider-Man ride. Will it be as good as the Hulk ride at... Um, Absolutely. Universal Islands of Adventure that I never went on because I was too scared because I think they're death traps. I held the bags <laughs> and my family, went, my family went on them and I just stood there in the hot Floridian heat sweating my <laughs> fucking knackers off. Uh, um, oh, should we go to Disneyland? I really want to go. Let's go. But you would hate Hang every on. second of it. I, Orlando, I've got cheap tickets too. Yeah, but you would you hate want. every second of us yeah, being in Florida. I'd, I'd do it. Like, I would enjoy it because I'd be like, oh, I'm going on so many rides you, on my you own. You hate the heat, I'll tell you that now. Um, well, it's bloody, bloody too hot in this world. Too hot it? here. Yeah. yeah. Think about that. Okay, so shall we talk about um, some of the things that came out of it then? Okay. Um, so let's start Mandalorian. That's, I'm literally going to go in the order of, yeah, which quick fire. This, of which this page says. This thread. Yes. Okay, um, Mandalorian trailer. Did this you watch is the it? Disney streaming, the Disney Plus series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did watch the trailer. I felt nothing. I <laughs> felt nothing. <laughs> uh, what about when you watched the trailer? <laughs> I still felt nothing. Except this time I had visual entertainment. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm not going to watch this. IG88 looks pretty cool though, doesn't he? So IG spinning robot, any? Yeah. So IG88, obviously, you're a big fan of from the original trilogy, right? Was he in it? Uh huh. I didn't know his name's IG88 because Mark watched it and uh-huh. he told me IG88 is in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the temptation would be that maybe they will bring in other bounty hunters, uh, like Zuckus, for instance. Mark Zuckerberg. Dunga. Uh, Dengar. <laughs> Sorry, Dungar is a different thing. That's like a dung beetle, I suppose. Okay, a dung beetle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, a dung beetle. Moss from the IT crowd. Okay, uh, this is me showing off my nerd knowledge. Um, me showing off my word association knowledge. Who else was there? Mm, well, you know, some other bounty hunters, Should I guess. Should Boba Fett appear at any point? Uh, what we want is Dash Rendar. Obviously. Obviously. He He's could a appear. smuggler more than a bounty hunter. He could appear. Uh, but, uh, I hope but, so. Do you think Boba Fett will appear? Because obviously this isn't about Boba. No, I don't think he will appear. Like This series isn't about him. And he's obviously the, fam- the famous Mandalorian. Well, um, he wears Mandalorian armour. He's not Mandalorian. Oh, you and Rory talked enough for this before, didn't you? He's a clone. Uh, hi, Rory Spence. Yes, I got it wrong again. Did he tell you off for this Yeah, as well? I'm pretty sure when we were on one of... I think when we were on... Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other podcasts yeah. Rory told me off. All right. 
Matt McGowan, before you start emailing in. <laughs> you said you were going to lay off Matt this week because of his funny meme. He said, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, fine. Um, but no, I thought it was. I thought it looked fine. I thought there was some really nice stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the bit of fighting towards the end. Yeah. Um, it looked like he trapped the man inside a door, which made me laugh. Um, uh-huh. And that's what I want. That's what I want to see is just a load of like really cool fight scenes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's got some good... It looks like he's got money behind it. Oh, like, well, it, it looks look, great. He, so here's what I'll say is um, the, the advent of Disney Plus is interesting because... You know, people already said, "Oh, we're living in the in the era of sort of event television and in in the era of sort of big budget TV." This, I think, is even. It feels like it's even bigger in terms of the scale, even than a lot of HBO's stuff. Even the you know more than Game of Thrones. Certainly, the effects look better than yeah. Game of Thrones. But you've got Disney money behind you, so if you don't make it look good, if you don't make your Star Wars series look good, yeah. then you're going to have serious issues well, the with these Star, Star Wars, Wars series. Sometimes, like it doesn't need to look expensive to look good. Well, I have a feeling that this one is going to be ground based, yeah, rather than space based. Well, which is the ship flying over the desert stuff, and that mm-hmm. that looked to me great. And I was like, okay, that's what these are going to look like. Then. Sure, um, and if that's what they look like, I thought this looked fine. Like mm-hmm. I. I, as somebody who isn't into Star Wars all that much, mm. um, but I kind of like the idea of Star Wars, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I like the idea of this universe and stuff like that, but I'm not like freaking out. You're not clued up on all of the bits. I'm not clued mm-hmm. up on the fact that Boba Fett only wears Mandalorian armor. Okay. Um, but- I mean, I've just jumped on that as something I vaguely <laughs> remember Rory Spence telling you off for before. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. I mean, he, he is a clone. We do that. Who, Rory? Yeah. But, um,. What I do like is I like stories that I've always wanted stories that are outside of that original trilogy. Yeah, that have nothing to do with the connected. And hopefully, mm-hmm. this is that. Yeah. Uh, yes, they could be in the same. They same and that universe. Was, that was kind of the issue with Rogue One was that it was it was a story outside of that universe, except that it was directly tied into the events of that universe. Mm-hmm. But all of the characters are new, and that was quite nice. Yeah. And that's why Rogue One's probably been my favorite of all of them that have come out. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like I said, there's stuff there to enjoy, but I'm also there like. Hmm. I mean, I like Werner Herzog. That'll be good. And I like um, my boy I, I Oberon. I have a feeling he'll be in it for five minutes and then <laughs> he'll get killed. Um, Other series announced? Yeah, next, please. Um, I forgot you're in charge of this so, segment. Free of... Free oh, Obi-Wan series, by oh, the yeah, way. Obi-Wan series. He has announced that he is now on board. I last, told you this for definite. Well, no. Last week it I was said. definitely not for definite. <laughs> this I week said. it is now for definite. Definitely. I have read all of the articles and he is definitely on board. But this one, uh, that announcement feels like the wind was taken out of its sails slightly by last by week. By me. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, by, by the rumours that were floating around last week of it basically being a done deal. It feels like if you kept a lid on that a bit more, you could have really made that a big thing at... D twenty three, but mm. I, I don't know. It feels like but those rumors were flying around for a little bit anyway. Like that, he's always come back, um, mm. and it doesn't surprise me that he has. Mm. Like I think he kind of, he, I think he actually enjoyed that time. Yeah, despite the fact that it got. Yeah, um, he said it was like train spotting, but cooler. <laughs> uh, please continue. Um, three more Marvel shows are announced, mm. um, which are all three of them. I'm really excited for actually. This is Moon Knight. So there's Moon Knight. She who I've been a big um, fan and Ms. Marvel. Of. Yes. Yeah. So Moon Knight, I've been a big fan of all along, which is basically a character who um, you can listen to yeah, Andy's I'll... pitch for this series 
about three about years th- yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, um, I watched on this, Jake Hall. What was it on? Um, picture, comic book, movie, or yeah, something yeah. like that? I think, yeah, you said movie, but then during the course of it, you went, actually, maybe it would work better as a series. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, yeah, picture, comic book, movie, or MCU... Adaptation. Mo- like yeah, comic like book that. adaptation, probably from 2016. Um, but yeah, I so I've been a big backer for this for a long time, and I think a lot of people have wanted this, and actually working it as a series is best. This Especially- is the most requested... Well, especially if had, they go a bit more, seemingly. a bit more gritty with it as well. Let it be a bit, let it breathe. Let it be something that isn't mm-hmm. so PG, that isn't so friendly. Let's see if Disney would, are willing to let themselves do that because this is a character that's very interesting because he's a character who actually um, has openly got mental health problems and you mm. know, hopefully deals with actually. Struggles. He's got DID, is that right? Yeah. 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 Um, but at the same time, he's just really a guy who's got like. A, it depends. Like, it's, some of them, he's got a little bit of spiritualism to him. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, but I think he's. Really... I suppose the beauty of that is you can spin it however you want to, and just say, "Well, this is the adaptation we're kind of going with here." Exactly, and he's he's a he's a big kind of fan favorite. Like people like you know, there's a lot of memes that fly around there, and he's and, a street level hero, absolutely, which is really cool. Um, secondly, then you've got um, She Hulk, She Hulk, which is basically um, she's. Really a lawyer strong, by day, but then also a lawyer, yeah, yeah, and that's something that also could be street level. Um, and some of the casting, like the people are saying, oh, maybe you should dance for this person, this person, really interesting. They said Zoe Saldana because she's already green in the universe. <laughs> no, but like Rosaria Dawson. The interesting uh-huh. one I saw actually was um, Rosaria Dawson. Oh, she's because technically that doesn't that doesn't exist, exist anymore. anymore. Yeah, the the it's whole Netflix Mer- stuff. Mer- Ali being Blade. Like, yeah, the interesting one I saw was what's the name from Orange Is the New Black? Um. Oh, um, the main one. No, it's no. Oh, what? Well, she she's also a else. Um, sorry, this is a terrible, terrible podcast. That's right. I haven't looked into any potential um, casting. This no, is not no, potential. No, no, casting, this is not potential. This is, this is what somebody mentioned online. When I saw it, I was like, oh, actually, I can see that. You know, in a way, not Laura Prep. Um, no, it is. Oh God, why are you so far down the cast list? I thought you were one of the main stars. Could tell I've never seen Orange is the New Black. Oh, Laverne Cox. Uh, a picture, please. Oh, yes. Okay, right. Yes. Yeah. Um, like I saw that and I was like, actually, that could work mm-hmm. in a way. Um, it would be actually a really cool bit of casting as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, so She Hulk, it's, it's a character I've not read into all that much, but I know bits of. Um, and it's called, it's another character that literally people have been going, oh, yeah, actually, it's great for like representation and stuff like that. Like, have this character, like another strong female character into mm. this universe. And then you get Ms. Marvel, who I think is actually probably the coolest bit of news to be announced. So this is um, mm. Camilla Khan. She's a um, Pakistan, um, Pakistani-American right? Um, who basically inherits, um, in the country, inherits um, inhuman powers mm-hmm. uh, that allow her to kind of shapeshift her size kind of thing and gives okay. her kind of morphing abilities, let's say. Now, I've literally just read her whole kind of introduction run, and it's really refreshing. It's really kind of like, um, she's really kind of fun to read, um, and she's really excitable, things like that. And actually, once again, for representation purposes, like, I imagine if you are of that um, that culture, like, they, they don't shy away, then that's her, that's her upbringing. Mm. But her family are very religious and things like that. And if they bring that into the universe, that's also really cool. And, you, and it, when you look at things like this, you kind of go, hold on. What they're doing is they're building up a whole thing where actually 
yes, we've had our first phase of Marvel, which was all like kind of big hitters, and now you're going to have a whole thing where there's a whole culture of people growing up and going, actually, I can now see myself in these characters a bit more. It's a lot more of a representative field. Yeah. Um, especially with how that team could end up looking. With these series hopefully leading into films, like these characters appearing in the films, the only shame will be, and I'm sure we'll get on, well, I know we'll get on to this, is uh, um, Kamala Khan, she uh, meets like, Spider-Man and her, their reactions. And, and I think that reaction, especially like Tobey Maguire's Spider- not Tobey Maguire, um, Tom Holland's Spider-Man, yeah. could be really cool. Mm. And unfortunately, we probably won't get that. Do um, you... This is a purely hypothetical question, and I appreciate we haven't even seen the series yet, so it's very difficult to understand how to sort of put this into perspective of the, of, of the larger MCU. But do you think that they are going to have more faith in their ability to bring these characters to the big screen and to the cinematic adaptations more so than the Netflix series? I think, yes, because they it's their They series. have complete control over like, these. Yes, there's still Marvel TV and Marvel movies, I think. But yeah. actually, I think most of the Disney stuff, plus stuff, but it sounds because Kevin Feige seems to be involved in these, mm-hmm. seems to be that actually he's heavily involved. And actually, like, because... The way I understand it is that the the two branches are now going to be working much closer to try and make sure yeah. it's a more cohesive... Yeah, unit. As and I think were. they'll trust their ability. You know, things like WandaVision, I think. Mm-hmm. But looking at the amount of people that are being brought into that, of different, like, random people that were there throughout the whole time, mm-hmm. that actually they're going to start bringing those people into the movies, and that can actually maybe affect stuff that's happened in movies. And like, But the thing they've got to be careful about is how do you explain these about a way of being like, oh, you have to have seen the series to sure. understand this. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's a really positive step having these characters mm-hmm. in it. And, um, Actually, like I said, they're really great, and I've lost. You've lost my your thread. What? What the hell, man? What a nightmare! Um, there's okay. So the stuff like there's a Monsters Inc. TV series announced. There was mm-hmm. a um, Lizzie McGuire TV series announced. Yeah, um, with yeah. Hilary Duff returning as Lizzie McGuire. Um, there was a Toy Story, I think, something like that. Uh, is it, there a Forky T? Uh, yeah, I think there's something to do with Forky's getting his own show or something. Um, and the other one was you said something about High School Musical before we came. So on. I don't know if this is. I, I, look, from what I can tell, it is a proper series. So it's High School Musical, right? Mm-hmm. The series, so TV series, and the premise of the High School Musical series is this: someone comes. Presumably, a teacher comes to Eastside High or whatever it's called, East yeah. High School, um, the high school where High School Musical was shot, mm-hmm. and says, "I couldn't believe that when I came to the, the, this high school where High School Musical was shot, that someone told me that you've never put on a High School Musical of High School Musical, the musical." What? What? <laughs> okay. Okay. Are you following so far? Okay, so yeah. I think a teacher. Maybe, or maybe like a TV producer is coming to film this. But it's it's essentially... Is it a mockumentary? So it is essentially a The Office-style docu-mockumentary, yes. right? And it, it... But the thing is, it all looks like it's just following the same story. So the story outside of the musical is the story of the musical. Nice. So it's like... Yeah. It's like we're... with. 
you know, we're deep inside Killian Murphy's brain, <laughs> and this is Inception. This is a dream within I, a dream within a dream. I'm a thousand percent in on this. Like, I, you know I what? Would, I would get Disney Plus just for this. Yeah. So I watched the trailer, and I kind of went, "What the hell is this?" And it is the only thing that I have seen so far that was like, I would, I would watch that. <laughs> I would definitely watch that. Um, I mean, I've got no idea whether it's going to be quality or not. It will. But a premise like that cannot fail. That's the thing. I'm just waiting build, for the day that they get premise. Efron back in the final episode to watch the musical from the audience as Efron critiquing the portrayal of uh, Troy. Yeah. I mean, look, it's... And Vanessa Hudgens walks in and his heart melts all over again and they, they sing the climatic song. There's a really good joke at the end of the trailer where the choreographer of the musical um, is sort of in the... He's in the gymnasium and a teacher comes in and goes, aren't you supposed to be... be aren't you supposed to be somewhere? And he says, yes, Broadway. <laughs> um, That's funny. I like it. I don't know. I'll watch the high school musical TV series. <laughs> That's that's my takeaway from Disney Plus. Um, MCU wise as well. Um, Kit Harrington is now in the MCU. Apparently in, in the Eternals as, as Black Knight, who I know Black nothing Knight, about, who is a human character, I believe, in that series. From the little bit of research I saw, he seems to hang around with um, Captain Britain a lot. Okay. Um, Are we sh- going to see the introduction of Captain Britain in? Maybe. They were talking about a feature film, weren't they? Yeah, one of them on about it maybe happening, and I don't know... And Simon Pegg wanted to write it, or something like that. Mm. He's a big fan of the character. And the thing is, it's a case of how do you introduce that character that it just seemed like a knockoff Captain America. Um, well, at this point... I mean, he, is, he is a character in his own right, but also, mm. I don't know whether there'd be people going, you're introducing Captain Britain before you're introducing characters like Nova, who are like these big hitters, mm. big hitting characters we're just ignoring at the moment. But we've also got the introduction of US Agent in the uh, Bucky Falcon series, I've heard. No? That might be true, I don't know. US who Agent is. who is brought in as like a alternative to um, uh, thingy, an alternative to Captain America, essentially. Okay. Um, I don't know. Read up on him if you want to. No, um, I, I've look. I've done no fucking research for that. I just yes. know that that's the case. So Kit Harrington has now joined. Um, mm-hmm. I've not ever been sold on Kit Harrington yet. I've seen him in a few things now, and I've never really gone. Okay, I'm down for this. Yeah. Apart from you know Silent Hill Revelations, which and Pompeii, of course, obviously, of course, his two best movies. Uh-huh. Um. So yeah, there's new stuff shown from um all of the. All of the kind of like they showed stuff in Black Widow. Black Widow. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, they showed some footage from Black Widow, Wonder Vision. Yes, and that other one. oh, Cap- uh, Bucky and Falcon. Apparently, it's positive. Like what we've seen so far. I mean, you're at D twenty three. You're not uh-huh. really going to get negative reactions, I guess. But also, um, they showed more stuff from Mulan. Yeah, or Mulan or Milan. Uh huh. Um, and then they announced a couple of other stuff that like the Disney animation stuffs doing so. Uh, not only is the Frozen Two obviously still being worked on, yeah, um, but also there's a film called Soul, which is yes. about um, Jamie Foxx's soul going away. The way I read it was going away to do a seminar, and I was like, "How is this a film?" But it's you know it's got a really great cast. It's and got, like, Onwards a, also coming out next yes. year, which so, I think had been announced previously but not release dated. And then there was another one called, and I'm just going to see if I can find this one quickly. Oh, they showed stuff from Jungle Cruise and Cruella. Um, 
2022 for Black Panther. Oh, 2022. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I was wrong, guys. Uh, oh, it's called Raya and the Last Dragon, uh-huh. uh, which is the next Disney animation, uh, which is basically based in South Asia uh-huh. um, and is about a cult of worship dragons. And then when the darkness comes, they realize they haven't got dragons. Right. So they have to go find a dragon, which and they find one, but it's like not what they expect, uh-huh. uh, which sounds to me very much like How to Train Your Dragon. Like, it was a good movie. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure that's the exact plot for How to Train Your Dragon. Apart uh, from it's not set in South Asia. It's set in Scotland or but wherever. the one thing that they, people Wait, have no, been saying Norway. is that the, it looks stu- like What they have shown looks stunning as well. Yeah. Um, like, properly... It's kind of... What people are saying is the positive is it's kind of carrying on in that, like, Moana thing of just being, like... It's a Disney animation, but it isn't about princesses. Yeah. Like, it's about theme, strong female characters that aren't princesses sure which and obviously is, they've got a disney animation that's about a dog that eats some spaghetti so <laughs> okay. you know that's also but good it's important. um but yeah that's kind of the main stuff from d23 i don't know if there's anything i've missed there probably is okay um but yeah let's go back to the news list i'm sure there's, there's another trailer uh there is antlers uh, I saw this now. yeah so uh antlers is the new film from scott cooper which has been produced by uh Guillermo del toro written by scott cooper as well i believe adapted from a short story mm-hmm. um i think uh, yeah i think it was a, a short story um about a yeah about a boy who sort of tells these stories about his sort of allegorical stories about his family life related to the three bears and um, sort of a horror thriller thing going on here. I'm really excited for this movie. Looks spooky. The trailer... Very spooky. So the trailer managed to, for me, I mean, it it certainly echoed sort of some of um, It Comes at Night, Mm -hmm. uh, the the A24 release from a couple of years ago now. Um which is never a bad thing. I think it looks really interesting, and I think the aesthetic of it really... Yeah, it, like the trailer itself was more spooky than some horror films I've seen <laughs> 90 minutes of. So yeah. I, I'm kind of... I, I'm really intrigued by this. Um, but Scott Cooper did uh, Hostiles a couple of, uh, last year, I think it was. He's crazy hard. He's had a career where he's done different stuff, which is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um and it's Jesse Plemons is is featured in this as well, so that's, that's the, never that's a bad the thing. thing. That, like when you mentioned it to me, you said, "What is Guillermo del Toro and Jesse Plemons are both involved in this?" So I was like, mm. "That does interest me," like because I like both of those people. Mm. And you know, the monsters look good. Yeah, well, from you, the what's nice about the trailer snippet, you don't really see them, um, and at the end, there's like a glimpse of something. Yeah, you don't really get a good look, and that's kind of the best marketing for these kind of films. Yeah, um, but yeah. Looks all right. Yeah, I'm. I'm I really don't know if I'll see it. it because it'll probably scare my little socks. Well, I'll have to see it first, and then we'll uh, see how you get on. Um, saw the trailer for Noel. Uh, yes, this um, is the Anna Kendrick Christmas movie, also on Disney Plus. Also on Disney Plus, yes. but was um, nice just to see like a, a proper little Christmas movie coming out. Like just a, a kind of like, old school Christmassy yeah, movie. It, they don't it remind me of Santa yeah. Claus, and I was like, I can't remember the last film, but like that, like that kind of Christmas level. with the cranks. Well, that kind of level came out where it probably is like something like Christmas with It's Cranks, not Christmas with right? Cranks. Christmas with Cranks has no joy to it. <laughs> um, but like, I watched the trailer and I was like, okay, this seems like the kind of thing that, like, if it hits the right level and hits yeah. the right notes, because one of those families just go back to and watch again and again every year. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, so I saw the trailer for um, Last Christmas as well, the one starring um, Amelia Clark. 
Right. About a, uh, this is a couple of weeks ago. The yes. um, Emma Thompson's in it, or yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. directed it as yeah, well. Yeah, no, that's the one. Yeah. Um, and that one I went, okay, that's a Christmas romance film, which is also something that I don't think I've seen in the last few years. Um, they fell like, out of favour. It's that, that level. Yeah. Like, maybe it's this year's day, just going, let's just do Christmas again. Mm. Um, but it's also always fun seeing Christmas trailers, you know, in when, when the world's on fire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, right, okay. You're, you're just saying. Literally as well, because yeah. let's save the Amazon. Uh, it's rained now, so it's fine. Don't worry. We fixed it. <laughs> we fixed it. <laughs> well done, guys. Yeah. I'm glad we fixed we, the, the thing. We and Mother Nature the thing fixed it. Keeping us alive. Um, uh, we all need to eat less beef, is what we've learned from that. What else do we have? Or no beef. No. Uh, Matrix 4, tell oh, me about yeah, it. Yeah, This happened I this week. I forgot about that. It's only the second biggest bit of news this week as um, well, so. Yes, so um, we. Oh, the underwater trailer, it's fine. <laughs> hey, man, uh, Kristen Stewart's good. Um, but um, I thought we'd cancelled. Have we not cancelled TJ Miller? I thought we had. I thought we'd said no. I thought we were done with them. Um, but yes, so um, just when you Matrix think he's 4, gone. apparently it's only one of the Wachowskis. Um, directing. Is it Lana Wachowski coming back to do this one? One of them. Okay, I will find um, out. And Keanu Reeves and Carrie-Anne Moss are both coming back as well. Yep. Um, and it seems to be a continuation of the story. Um, I don't know if that means that it starts again or, you know, because the, the, the thing about the Matrix is that they reset it at least once. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know whether it starts again but they're there but from my point of view if I remember rightly Keanu Reeves is dead uh, yep or, and or so or is Trinity was, or Trinity's dead and he was assimilated into the machine yeah like he, that. he like, got he got Jesus'd yeah um, and she got murked um, so I'm like I don't know how they come back but like the thing about so I watched the first Matrix a couple of weeks ago obviously we talked about it on the podcast mm-hmm and I was there like, oh, I would love to see how they do this now. But like, if they did it now, they'd have to make it extra sweet. Like, They'd have to really polish it. Yeah. Um, because I think there is still a kind of a roughness to those first ones. Mm-hmm. Like, um, And if they really kind of make want to make it work, they've really got to kind of polish up. And especially now you've got people who are nailing the action environment as well. Mm. Like nailing fight scenes. It's like... How do you refresh that kind of stuff? Um, yeah. How do you make it so you are... Because you were the innovators mm. in the terms of martial arts on the screen. Like, you basically brought that to a westernised audience, like, properly. And made it so it was like this incredible, mind-blowing thing. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that again when you've got so many kind of imitators who have really kind of been born out of what you did and are now improving upon it? How do you better them? Yeah, um, and I imagine they will probably get people like um, is it Chad Stahelski? Yeah, is Chad Chad Stahelski? Uh, yeah, get people like him back on board mm-hmm. um, to kind of go. Okay, what can we do? Yeah, we've got this now. What can we do with it? Let's see how we make this better. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't know if I'm excited about it. I've um, I've got zero interest in seeing. Well, here's the thing: because obviously two and three weren't great. I think two has moments in it that I think are good. Um, but it's kind of hit and miss and free. I don't like at all. Um, that mm-hmm. was a satisfying <laughs> noise for all you ASMRs. Um, but yeah, so because of that, but I'm like, we've had a break now. If we go back, you know, how, what are the ideas we got? How fresh is this? Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of interested. I'm intrigued more than I am excited. Okay. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, biggest news of the week. 
Should we finally get into it 40 minutes into this podcast? Yeah, big news. Do you want me to split it into two podcasts? Nah, let's just go with it. Okay, right? fine. Basically, this podcast is probably going to be long, guys. Mm. Like, we've got three reviews still to come up. and So, uh, handily, um, they left it until Monday. So, one day after we... Um, no, actually, it was <laughs> Tuesday. Tuesday yeah, we were in the cinema yeah. watching Scary Stories. Um, so, they left it until Tuesday to announce this. Um, the, the discussions between Sony and Disney regarding the future of... Uh, the future contract for the Spider-Man movies uh, had come to an end for the time being, I'm mm. going to say, because looking into this... Never I, say never. I don't think this is over. Um, so apparently they'd, they'd been at loggerheads for a few weeks and the offer that Disney brought to the table was unacceptable to Sony and therefore talks have broken down, Bob Iger walked away from the table and said, right, well, this is it then, we'll we'll just go off and do other stuff instead. You can keep it. Um, so, cue internet uproar, uproar on WhatsApp chats that we're parts of, uh, All of unbridled, the unbridled fury on the those. The thing is, I get it, mm-hmm. because it is, it is upsetting, because I've probably just witnessed one of my favourite Spider-Man movies, mm-hmm. um, you know, I also witnessed one of my favourites in terms of a Sony-made Spider-Man movie in Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. You know, that is one of the best Spider-Man movies ever made. But also, Spider-Man Far From Home. I really enjoyed that. Mm. I really enjoyed the Marvel interpretation of Spider-Man. Sure. Um, I know it has some detractors, um, and there's some people on on Twitter who will not stop telling you that it's a terrible portrayal of Spider-Man. Yep. But at the same time, I really liked it. So I get why people are upset yeah. that it's happened. Sure. But you, you say you've been... I've some done some research, and I've run some numbers. Oh, okay, through the so machine. Is that I'm, why we've got that supercomputer in the front room? Now? Yeah, that's, that's like, why I've got um, that one that beat Gary Kasparov at chess. Uh, I feel at one point... Was it I Gary Fisher? At one point, I feel I did know the name of that machine. Uh, Deep Blue? I'm going to Something call, like that? I'm going to call it... Blue Velvet. See, I keep thinking the supercomputer from Hitchhiker's Guide, Deep Thought, but it's not that. It's, I think it's, 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 I think like it's Deep Blue. Anyway, so I've been running some numbers and I've been working out because I want to play devil's advocate here okay. because I think the the problem is the news breaks. Sorry, can you get into character as devil's advocate? Okay. I'm pretty sure he's a silly Ladies and gentlemen, a little jory. Oh, yeah. Oh, I could do my um, <laughs> I could do my plantation owner voice, but I don't really want to do that. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of Kevin Spacey's portrayal of Frank Underwood in it. And yeah. I, I don't like he's been cancelled, but I don't want to get cancelled. <laughs> well, I never. OK, well, I, I'm not going to do that because there is far too much data to go through. I, 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 I almost okay. had you doing it, though. Well, well, I'm from Georgia. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, Georgian impressions aside, um, so obviously the news breaks, people are furious, people are very quick mm-hmm. to demonize Sony in this as the bad guys because they see it as Sony taking away the franchise because they don't want Disney to have any further control over yeah. it. Now, so... Rightly, yeah. All right, you can <laughs> keep your fucking ass on left-wing Twitter if you want. I'm going to be representing right-wing Twitter, um, only in terms of this argument. Uh, I'd say, sorry, sorry, Ben Shapiro, you're going to have to leave, mate. Yeah, uh, watch me destroy feminism with this argument. <laughs> About why Sony might not be the bad guys. With logic and facts. 
Um, so, <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, so anyway, I've looked into it, and it's it, it, look the deal between Sony and Marvel or Sony and Disney has never been one hundred percent sort of concrete in anyone's idea about what it is. But there are some guidelines that we know are true. So we know for a fact that Sony foot the bill. So they are funding the entire thing. Yep. They have creative control over the film and they have uh, distribution rights. What Disney have... Do they have creative control? They do. Okay. The So they, they, as, they have the ability to nix things from certain things and they can say no to anything at any point. Mm-hmm. Um, what Disney offer... Is they have the merchandising rights to the film uh, to the character, and I'm aware of, and they have five percent of first dollar gross. Mm -hmm. So first dollar gross is being on the first day of release. They get five percent of that first day. So they it's not that they get a certain share; it's they get that five percent of that first day. So it's not of the total run; it's only of you know opening day gross. Yeah. So, Disney went back to them and said, well, we don't want that anymore. We want 50-50 yeah. in terms of the, um, the box office gross. To is, which... Does that include 50-50 putting into the movies as well, though? Uh, it's, un, it's unclear at this moment. Probably yes, mm-hmm. but no one's really sure on that. But the, the figure that's been floated is 50-50% on, uh, on the actual uh, box office gross. Theory being, yes, it should probably be for 50% of that production budget, but you never know. Sony have looked at that and gone, that's a pretty hardball offer. We're not in a position where we have to sell that percentage of a stake here. So we're not going to do that. We'd much rather keep going, but, you know, renegotiate. And Disney have said, well, it's 50-50 or nothing. Yeah. And Sony have said, well, we'll take nothing then and we'll just keep on doing it. Oh, no, they no-dealed them. Yeah. Um, so I think the, the the main fallout from this is it's posturing from two studios who have clearly tried to get their heads together for months now and have got pretty much nowhere with it. Now, in terms of the Marvel, uh, sorry, the Disney and Sony deal, that is now at an end. There are no future ones that are supposed to be done in conjunction with Disney. Mm-hmm. There are future ones that are supposed to be done with Tom Holland. He is contracted for at least one more solo film. Yeah. Uh, there was an option in there for an extra one, which I believe has been exercised already. So there could potentially be two, definitely one, but I, there's potentially two films that he is contracted now to be in for Sony because he never had a contract with Disney. Mm-hmm. It was only ever with Sony and that he would then appear in three Disney films, which he has now done, completing it with uh, Endgame. Yeah. So he's done his three for them, he's done two for them, and now he's got one, maybe two more to do. So that's presumably going to be the next solo one, and maybe even an appearance in one of their side projects, potentially. So I've looked into it, because everyone's furious at Sony, but... I don't think they have any right to be justifiably angry at Sony because Sony had to make some kind of stance here. And it's weird that people are seeing Disney as the good guys here because Disney, you know, they've swallowed up Fox this year. 
for a huge amount of money, but they have brought a huge amount of the market yeah. in terms of studios out there producing stuff. This is a scary proposition, I think, because we are entering a period where Disney could very well be the studio. And it's like, it's Cloud Atlas, isn't it? Speaking of the Wachowskis. In so Cloud Tom Atlas. Is now involved. So in Cloud Atlas, in the future, they go and see Disney's rather than movies. That's what they call movies in the future, isn't it? Is it? That, if I'm I, remembering correctly, I've read the book I've once. I've never seen Cloud Atlas. Um, okay. Hamish, who's been on this podcast before, mm. it's his favourite film, so he'll know. I Hamish, think, I, I think it's in the book. I don't know if it's in the film. He'll tell us. Anyway, so we're in a very real situation where that could become the way it goes because look at the remaining big studios. Okay, Universal are fairly safe at the moment, but Paramount aren't. Paramount have got nothing. They've got... Mission Impossible yes. and A Quiet Place mm-hmm. and Crawl. Yes. And Crawl too. Crawl some more. Uh, so I, I'm a little bit unsettled by the fact that people are seeing Disney as being the good well, guys that here. that thing of earlier in the year, people were like, Disney stopped buying up all these studios, mm-hmm. stopped becoming this monopoly, and then it's like, as soon as they take something, they can't get something that they want. It's like, oh, this isn't fair. Yeah, exactly. And it, it does feel it like... fair. Okay. You think? Right, I'm just trying to add balance to the argument. Okay. okay. There's plenty of balance if you want to go on Twitter. I'll tell you that now, because I've done some research there, and ooh-wee, no one likes Sony on there. Um, so, if you're looking then at why Sony have played it this way, they have to play hardball because they don't have franchises that are as bankable as what Disney have, mainly because Disney have got everything now, <laughs> but they don't have Spider-Man, and that's important. So, um, in terms of this year, in the top 10 world, uh, you know, gro- highest grossing worldwide films, they have, Sony, have Spider-Man Far From Home. That's it. Yep. Which is just past a billion. It's a what one point one one five billion today, apparently. Mm-hmm. So you know that, but that's it in the top ten. I've done some historical research. It's not looking good over the last ten years. Last year, the only film they had in the top ten worldwide was Venom, yeah. eight hundred fifty six million. How did that film do so well? Twenty seventeen, they that's had a terrible film. Twenty seventeen, they had two films. They had Jumanji. Does- the minions and stuff all fall at the Sony. Is that Sony Animation? No, that's Universal. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no, I thought they had that these no. to fall back on. No, Jumanji, which did 962 million. Mm-hmm. Homecoming did 880 million in 2017. 2016, nothing. Nothing in the top 10 world high-grossing films. 2015, one. Spectre, which did 880 million. And was the last of the James Bond films that is going to be co-produced with Sony. Yeah. Because Universal now have that option with MGM. Does that mean we could have... Oh, did you say Paramount have Mission Impossible or Universal? Paramount have Mission Impossible. Um, 2014, Amazing Spider-Man 2 was their only one. $709 million. Okay, I seem to see the feet. 2013, (laughs) nothing. 2012, they had three in the top ten. Spider-Man by any chance? Skyfall was second highest grossing film of the year with 1.0, uh, 1.108 billion. Oh, great film. Amazing Spider-Man 1, 757 million. I went a little yeah. bit South African. And Men in Black 3. Interesting. 624 million. But Men in Black International surely has got in this year, yeah? 
top 40 maybe yes i'm still not sure about that <laughs> i don't know um then 2011 smurfs was their only one in the top 10 oh dear. which was 563 million yeah 2010 zip nothing nada and 2009, they had two in there. You'll never guess the two, so I'm going to tell you right now. Okay. 2012. Okay. Yeah, remember the John yeah, Cusack yeah, yeah. End of the World movie? 769 million. And Angels and Demons did okay. 485 million. And that's enough to get into the top 10. Back point. in 20, uh, 2009, yes. It's outrageous. Now, if you look at the Disney grocers of all time, there is... I don't think there is one that goes past 2012 in terms of historical. And all of them have broke a billion (laughs) of their top 10, right? Sony, out of all of their productions that they have ever released, only two have broken a billion, which is Far From Home and Skyfall. Hold on, so since 2012, Disney have had... Ten, their top 10 highest grossing films of all time have come all since 2012. And have all broken a billion. Have all broken at least a billion. Some of them have broken two, as we know. <laughs> well, one of them. Mm, two of them? Two of them. Three, three of them. Yeah, three of them have broken two. Yeah. Right? Di- <laughs> Sony have had two that have broken two, uh, one, and that was Far From Home this year and Skyfall in 2012, right? They don't have... Franchises. Franchises. So why should they be bullied by a company that has everything into selling 50% of a stake? Because they're going to Spider-Man. But you don't know that. So the the official line seems to be, because there was a lot of... So on Tuesday, there was a lot of nonsense about, like, oh, well, Sony have just walked away from it and said, no, we don't want to even continue discussions here. Yeah. It seems to be that there has been a mutual understanding that the discussions can't continue at the moment while Sony have their demands, which is that Kevin Feige would still retain lead producer credit from the Disney side of things. Yeah. Which Disney were not offering at the table. Which is probably because Kevin Feige is so involved in everything. And it's so important mm -hmm. for Disney Plus to be a success. And he's so involved in all of that, Mm -hmm. pretty much across the board, not even just the the Marvel stuff he's involved in everything but mm-hmm. actually is it a case of he can't be involved well exactly so here is here is what the um, the Sony statement says right so it says here uh, much of today's news about Spider-Man has mischaracterized recent discussions about Kevin Feige's involvement in the franchise. We're disappointed but respect Disney's decision not to have him continue as a lead producer of our next live-action Spider-Man film. We hope this might change in the future, but understand that there are, that the many new responsibilities that Disney have given him, including all their newly added Marvel properties, do not allow him time to work on IP that they do not own. Mm-hmm. And that's the key, the key sentence here, I think. that's fair. Uh, Kevin is terrific. We're grateful for his help and guidance and appreciate the path that he's helped put us on, which we will continue. So they're in a position now where I think they will go back to the table mm-hmm. because I think this is a strong move from Sony to make sure that they are coming out fighting as well because Disney came out with the first punch and then Sony have had to recover from that 
And I think before too long... Well, Disney haven't actually said anything, have they? They... It's, it's, it's come from sources within... Disney, Disney. sources have... Uh, but it's no, all been credited to Disney's side of the yeah, sources. But Disney actually haven't said, oh, we're actually not in talks anymore. Like, no, but they aren't in Disney. talks at the moment. Yeah, but there's actually nothing said by Disney, which is which mm-hmm. is why it's, it is a strong move by Sony to be like, well, yeah, mm-hmm. everything you've heard is basically going, yeah, everything's true, mm-hmm. but this is what's happened. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that came out was Kevin Feige saying that Spider-Man was never going to be a long-term part of the MCU. So that's a lie. That seems strange. That's that's C- a lie. Considering like you, I've watched Far From Home, you're basically building him yeah. to be the leader of your team. So I think it's I think it's going to be a case of within I don't know the next three or four weeks you should see them returning to the table. Yeah. I would be very surprised if they end up with a 50-50. I think it will be more like 25-75, which would still represent a pretty decent return for Sony. Sony just can't afford to take the hit of losing their only franchise, Mm -hmm. or 50% of their only franchise. So I can understand exactly where they're coming from because they've just broken a billion, and that billion is way more important to them than that half a billion would be to Disney. It keeps the whole thing running. Yeah. So it is the lifeblood of that movie division of Sony. And yeah, sure, Sony is a diverse organisation, but Sony Pictures have literally got one big franchise. Okay, sure, they've got Ghostbusters, which is being rebooted next year. But this is the thing, is that if you look at their actual existing franchises, they've got Ghostbusters, they've got Jumanji. No one expected Jumanji to be remade. (sighs) No. Right, and when they when they put that one out we'll two do years as well ago, as it did. and no one expected it to do as well as it did, and that that doing as well as it did, it was no surprise that one week after it came out, they'd announced that they were going to do another Jumanji. Yeah, because if you've got a runaway hit like that and you haven't got franchises, you found yourself a franchise mm-hmm. completely by accident, <laughs> but you found one. Men in Black, look at that; they came back with that this year because they needed the cash. And it was a swing and a miss. Hotel Transylvania is a fairly dependable one for them. It always makes a yeah. good, decent amount of money. The Robert Langdon series, as long as Dan Brown keeps on writing those books, <laughs> Ron Howard will keep on adapting them. Spider-Man and then Goosebumps. No one expected the first Goosebumps to be the hit it was. They made a second one. It wasn't the hit that the first one was. <laughs> and now they're not going to be able to make a third one because they lost money on the second one. Yeah. So it's... It's that thing of, okay, so if you look at Spider-Man Far From Home having a production budget of $160 million, all footed by Sony, mm-hmm. and then you, okay, so you wrap in marketing costs and other associated costs, let's call it $300 million budget, right? Yeah. Minus that from your $1.1 billion, you're still looking at $800 million takeaway, minus the 5% of first dollar gross that Disney have taken, you've got a good chunk of change there. That's going to sustain you. If you halve that, and yeah, sure, you're putting in half in the first place, but if you half the return, that's a big issue for them. That's production costs to your company. That's your mm-hmm. that's your ability to find those new franchises and to yeah. finance those new films. And Sony, you know, Sony have franchises. Well, they have a franchise, and then they have a, a lot of smaller films that don't do as well. Mm-hmm. That's fine, and that's how you work. Disney, Disney really go for the franchise option here. And they've got, what, five films that have broken a billion this year or something? 
and you just have to you have to ask the question. Oh, I think it's four, and then obviously the involvement in um, Spider Man. Problem is, mm. is what you're saying is they make a lot of money anyway, but they don't make all of the money. But this Until is they have all of the money. Then what is the point in and, not searching for? And all can of you the finally money? see why I am so concerned about them making all of the money? I get it, mm-hmm. and I get it, and I. The only thing I don't want is I don't want the Spider-Man franchise to suffer because I do think they have created like a really good franchise there. Like mm-hmm. it's the stuff that I really enjoy watching, and obviously we came out of Far From Home really positive. Yeah, and the next steps of where it looks like that's going mm-hmm. is really interesting. So I don't care about the boardroom stuff, mm-hmm. the the conversations that happen, as long as the franchise that I like stays. Mm-hmm. If Look, that makes sense. Okay, here we it, here's where I see best case scenario. They get back together, they work something out, and they sign another deal for another two or three films. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Maybe that'll be the way it goes. I think it will be. I think it'll be a much more reasonable offer from Disney, <laughs> but I think it will be it will be an amended offer, and I think it will just have to go ahead. And, you know, you've got Tom Holland. I would imagine that John Watts would then come back to say, yes, I'll stay on again. Yeah. Because I think that's the up in the air at the moment as to whether Sony would get him or whether Disney want to poach him for their own projects. Um, best case scenario is that. Worst case scenario, they really mess it up. Middle case scenario, they take what they've done in those first two and the guidance that Feige has given them in re- relation to that and try and carry through that feeling. And I suppose this is the main thing, isn't it? They need to, it can't start again. No, and it, and it won't start again. And they want to continue that story. They want to continue him. But if they don't have access to the MCU characters, then they'll find a way to have to continue that without that and without mention of those characters. But then again, Disney are going into a phase where they have set up everything around a character mm-hmm. they do not own. Yep. They are, they've been playing a really risky game and it might not pay off. And Disney, for the first time in fucking ages, might not get what they want. But I think <laughs> they will. I think they'll come they to will. a term. Well, there you go, suckers who say we don't research anything. So Alex did some research. An hour and five minutes into the uh, podcast, do you want to uh, review some? <laughs> uh, let's start. Research bomb. Uh, let's start off with the ones we see solo. So you saw Good Boys this week. I did. Tell um, me about it. So Good Boys is the story of. Um, Three sixth graders, they were three lads who've gone from fifth grade to sixth grade, mm-hmm. um, and they get invited to a party, and it's a kissing party. Mm. None of them know how to kiss. My favourite kind of party. <laughs> I didn't even know a kissing party existed. I think, is this real? <laughs> it feels like it's not real. Apparently it is. They get invited to this kissing party, they don't know how to how to kiss, um, so they try spying on the neighbours using a drone. Yeah. Um, the neighbours steal the drone, and then... Chaos in shoes, and will they be able to get to this kissing party or not? Um, or will they be able to get the drone back because the drone belongs to his dad? It's basically it's a very wafer thin premise to then have raunchy comedy done by three lads who are all very young. Yeah, um, and one of them is Jacob Tremblay, um, who you, if you watch Room, um, you know that his drama chops are like mm-hmm. turned up to ten. But this film is it's so it's been called like Super Bad with Kids because it's like produced by um, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Yeah, um, and I could kind of see the comparisons, and it's an easy, it's an easy and lazy way to sell it. It's a bit like the same um, with um, Booksmart. Booksmart was mm-hmm. advertised as 
super bad for girls. You know, yeah. it's a very lazy marketing strategy, but it works. It gets people through the door. Yeah, sure. Um, and actually, the thing about this is, I can see where the comparisons come from. You can see it in kind of like the writing style and stuff like that. Um, but it's actually a lot of fun. It's it's nothing special. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't think it's one of those that I'll go. Um, oh, this you is won't one. still be talking about in five years' time. No, but the thing is, as being you, like, oh, this is one of the great comedies of. But the thing is, it from the first moment, so Will Forte plays the dad of mm-hmm. Jacob Tremblay, and probably his second line in the entire film, which is within the first two minutes of the film, yeah, killed me. Mm-hmm. Like I proper belly laughed, and I was like, okay, it's got me there. Like you've got me, fair enough. Um, if that's and I heard people around. The, I was in a fairly full audience, um, and people were laughing around me. I was like, okay, so we're, we're all doing this. Like this is fine. Like because no one sometimes you can feel a bit self conscious. Like, oh, I've really enjoyed that joke, but no one else seems to be laughing. Yeah. As soon as I knew that, like the whole audience was there. Like, yeah, we're gonna just enjoy this. Like, there's some really great stuff in there, um, and there's really kind of lines that are off the cuff. Um, the standout star is the kid who plays Lucas. I don't know what his name is. Have you got them? Uh, have you I got have. Them yes. Uh, so Lucas is played by Keith L. Williams. Um, is phenomenal, mainly because of the way that the character's written. So Lucas is this kid. So you've got, um, so give me the names. There's 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 four. Yeah, four Lucas and Max. So Max is Jacob Tremblay's character. Mm-hmm. He's basically this kid who he wants to get. He wants to go to his kissing party because he wants to kiss the girl that he really likes, and he's kind of sensitive soul. But he's also battling his hormones at the same time. Mm-hmm. He's at, at that age where he's actually starting to pay attention to girls. You've got four who's just a guy who who wants to sing. Mm-hmm. Like, his main thing is he wants to sing, but also he wants to fit in. He wants to be cool. He wants cool kids to like him. And if that means abandoning stuff that he likes, then that's it. Mm-hmm. And then there's Lucas, who is just, like, the best written character, because he's just this kid who can't lie. Like, mm-hmm. he's just incapable of lying. Yeah. Um, and his parents are, are basically turned and they're getting divorced. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to deal with the fact that he wants his friendship to continue at the same time as dealing with his family yeah. kind of breaking apart. Um but he keeps getting into situations where everything would be fine if Lucas wasn't there and they could be these bad kids. But actually, Lucas is too good for his own good. Right. And he's just this nicest guy. And it's amazing mm. um, to see to see it. And every time you think something's about to go right, just by being the nicest kid, it kind of goes wrong. And it's, it's just a really nice kind of... They're, they're three defined... The characteristics of these kids are defined really well. Um, and actually then the jokes that are delivered really suit those characters. Now, there is an element of, um, A, I think the pacing is a bit off because it is kind of top-heavy in mm-hmm. the sense of like, or at least the start is quite lengthy and the end is quite short. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, they go to the same well for a few jokes. Like, there's mm-hmm. a lot of times when they mine the same material and, you know, it might be slightly different, but actually it's... They're same. revisiting the same yeah. theme. And yeah. sometimes it really works. And there's times where it, it did the same it thing. It gets you the second went, time. You right. got me there. I can't complain because you got me again. But there's times when you're like, okay, yeah, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the final joke in the whole thing is shown in the trailer, which is something that really annoys when that happens. Mm. Uh, because what I really like about this film is actually there's a really nice message to it that I don't think many films do. Is right. it So there's a film about friendship and kind of like, how these three kids who like they're the beanbag boys and you know they're they're best friends forever and you know nothing would ever split us apart. But mm. the film actually builds towards this idea that actually you can have friends for the moment. Yeah. You don't have to have friends for life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can be with somebody and be like, This is my best friend, but actually They're just be your that, best friend for a year. And you could be that 
and the thing is, you might go, actually, I'm really into football. Mm. And these kids over here are into football. And now we are really close friends. But that doesn't make the bond that you had with that first person any any weaker. Mm. And it's a really adult theme because it is that thing of like, especially as you go grow older. And I like, I don't know, it really connected with me when I was like, as you grow older, you kind of lose those bonds of those people that you have around. You keep a core group of people. Mm-hmm. And, and But I know that if I speak to certain people, it would be like they'd never left. Right, yeah. Um, and it's that kind of really adult thing of just being like, as you grow older, yes, you go through a lot of people you class as your friends, but that doesn't make it any worse when you don't speak to them. Right. Um, which is, it's it's something that I was like, really interesting, because I was like, no film really touches on that, the kind of temporary friendships where it's really important to have them, mm. but it's not the end of the world when they're not there. Yeah. And, it's, and it was really strange how in that moment come through told by a group of sixth graders mm. um, and told really, like that message was told really well. And while I think some of the comedy can be a bit hit and miss mm-hmm. and it can be a bit repetitive at times, the message that it's trying to get across, it does really well. The big problem for this film though, mm. is that there's a film that did this idea of friendship and bond in a lot better this year. And that's Booksmart. Mm. Like out of the two of them, Booksmart, I think is, it's much more, well put together like it's, yeah. it's phenomenal like that film is really well done um, in terms of raunchy kind of friendship comedy that does it better but that doesn't mean this is bad it just means that actually mm. if you had a choice watch that one but if you get a chance to watch Good Boys you could do worse like it's it's a lot of fun Okay, it's a lot of fun um, and also like it seems to be for all ages because I've had a great time but there's a couple literally across the way from me and they were about probably early 50s like mm. late 40s Absolute pissing themselves. I think as well. Like yeah. it was great. So yeah, absolutely recommend. Okay, cool. Um, Blinded by the light, um, the new Grinda Charter film. Who did Bend It Like Beckham, Angus Thongs, and Perfect Snogging? Um, based on the, the true true life story of uh, Safraz Manzor, who's a journalist uh, writer um, who grew up in Luton in the nineteen eighties mm-hmm. and sort of, you know, had to deal with all of all of the stuff that comes with being uh, from a Pakistani family living in Luton in the 1980s, in the midst of the National Front movement, in the midst of Margaret Thatcher's Britain shutting down factories and everything that has to say. And he's a struggling writer. He knows he wants to write. He writes lyrics for his best friends. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, so in the... In the film, he's not referred to as South France Manzor. Obviously, uh, so it's Javed in the film. Um, And he writes lyrics for his best friend's pop group, Mm -hmm. who very much sort of echoing a sort of, in terms of hairstyles, somewhere between sort of uh, Duran Duran and Flock of Seagulls, sort of either hair that goes straight up or hair that goes straight up at the sides (laughs) and then flat in the middle. You know, a lot of new romantic type things. Yeah. and he's a kid who's, you know, he's struggling to find his voice and how to express himself. Um, and he starts at sixth form college because he wants to go away to university and become a, a writer. So he wants to go to Manchester. He wants to get away from Luton. He wants to run away and, and find somewhere. And at college, he meets this uh, guy, this Sikh kid who gives him a couple of Bruce Springsteen tapes and says, you know, if you're a writer and you're, you know, you're feeling like you're lost and you're feeling like you, you want to escape. Listen to these, guard these with your life. These will tell you everything you need to know. Mm -hmm. 
So he met you. And yeah, so, so essentially he met the Sikh version of me. Um, and from the, from thence, the rest of the story comes. So it's, it's a film that deals with him then becoming obsessed with Bruce Springsteen and listening to the lyrics and, and working out that actually, despite the fact that three and a half thousand miles separate them in terms of their geographical locations, actually they're both talking about the same things. They both want to escape. And I mean, the two, um, the two cassettes that he gets given are um, darkness on the edge of town and born in the USA. Not that this is exciting or important to anyone. Everyone was wondering. Everyone Um, was like, I wonder if it's darkness on the edge of town. But it it was. So no, but this is it. Is it, it's an interesting choice of two albums, not to get, (laughs) not to get too me on this one. Um, It's a long episode already. We don't have time for this. It's dry in here, all of a sudden. It's a dry heat. So, so anyway, but you know, Born Born in the USA is a is an interesting album in the you know the song the lead type the lead song off that album being Born in the USA has been misinterpreted by Ronald Reagan for an election campaign. He used it for his election campaign. And it was about the mistreatment by the government of veterans from the Vietnam War. So it, there, are, there are interesting things where he's, he's reading into the lyrics and he's going, actually, there are similar things that he's talking about that I want to experience. I want to escape. I want to be born to run, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And that stuff's all well and good. And that stuff kind of works. Unfortunately, and the performances are good. The performances are really good. And the family dynamic in his family is really nice and really good performances. Unfortunately, I think it doesn't hold together as well as it could. And I think it suffers from the fact that I... Look, there's... Okay, so there's a there's a, a particular scene where it is a song and dance number in a market square. And okay, so I'm sort not of, more on board with sort this of, Yeah, in the vein of a sort of sunshine on Leith type thing where it's, you know, singing in a public place like that. And it's just that, you know, everyone joins in and starts dancing. And I'm watching it and I'm going, but is it this film? Hmm. Or is it supposed to be a grounded film? And, and I appreciate there's a bit where he goes out in the middle of a storm and the lyrics to these songs are projected on the wall of the of the estate near him. And it's, that stuff's good and that stuff yeah. all works. But then there's a bit where he and Rob Brydon are duetting um, to this girl that he's interested in. And you kind of feel like... What film is this? Is it... Yeah. and And it's like... Okay, so I appreciate that I'm watching two guys singing Thunder Road to a girl who one of them is interested in, and everyone else is singing and dancing as well, and it's all sort of turned into a musical, but it's not a musical, yeah. and I'm I'm sitting there and I'm going, this feels disjointed, and as a result, I just couldn't get back into the film, mm-hmm. and there are emotional bits that work, and... Uh, I'm not too. I'm not too big to admit that I had a tear in my eye because <laughs> I was in a cinema. So of course I did. And because he was playing, you're like, "This is all I ever wanted." Well, hey, look, this is the string. thing: is that Springsteen has a very personal connection with me, and, and Springsteen has a ability, and you know, being my favorite artist, Springsteen does have that importance to me that I think Javid in the in the film Javid places on him. Yeah. The the weird thing is, is that I felt like this could have been 
a better film without the song and dance numbers. Well, this is what I'm finding interesting. Is the fact that what you're saying, and mm. I've not seen this film yet, and I'll, I will catch it because I know my dad's a big fan of this. Like, yeah, they saw it in a, um, a, a screening, super super secret screening, yeah. a super secret screening. Um, they saw it. Um, my mom was like, "Yeah, it's okay," but my dad came out and he was in love with it. He was like, mm-hmm. oh, "I want to see it again." Yeah. Um, he started listening to Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. Like, he's he's really it, it obviously hit a level for him that he really enjoyed. So it's one that I'm going to go watch. But what I find interesting is the stuff that you're saying this film is mm-hmm. sounds like everything I wanted the film yesterday to be. That like I mm. wanted yesterday to be this kind of a little bit quirky, a little bit more risky and kind of the, its storytelling and kind of what it is. And that's what I wanted it to be. But it sounds like it, while it would have worked for yesterday, it doesn't work for... Yeah, I think the, 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 the word I'd use here is it feels sort of... Uh, Almost cheesy, almost mm. sort of too clunky for its own good. You know, there's a whole sort of smiling big teeth sort yeah. of... Which hey, is what yesterday could have benefited uh, from. You know, referencing lyrics in dialogue, and I appreciate that it is based on true events, and I appreciate that there is a very real chance that he was insufferable as a teenager and did quote Bruce Springsteen to people. But at some point, um, where they have a little dance and all of a sudden the lights go out, he goes, "Hey, you know what we're doing?" Um, <laughs> leave that one out there for you. So <laughs> you didn't really leave much room for that. Like, I think everyone got to the destination before you finished saying the <laughs> sentence. Um, so yeah, it, it, it kind of works. It kind of doesn't. If you're in the mood for something that's a little bit cheesy but has got a feel-good factor. I think this is probably still the film you want to see. Yeah. For me, I don't know why, but I just couldn't click back into it after then. And the emotional bit still worked after that, but the film as a whole just sort of felt a little bit uneven. Okay. So it's a that'll do pig for me. I forgot that'll do pig was a rating. Yeah, it's not a would recommend, but it's not a would not recommend because I think there are merits to it and I think it is... You know, there are good performances in there, and I think the story is an interesting one. It's just interesting that this year we have had two films inspired by the music of Bruce Springsteen, and one of them is currently potentially my film of the year, and one of them is currently potentially not my film of the year by some stretch. And also, my dad loved it, so therefore it gives it a couple of extra points. Yeah, so it's a John Hughes would recommend, (laughs) and it's an Alex Hudson that'll do pig. Um, Finally, uh, this week, criminy jickets. It's been a long one. Um, I've enjoyed spending all of this time with you. In in a room that I feel is getting consistently warmer. Hotter and hotter. Uh, Scary stories to tell in the dark. Um, So we went and saw this on Tuesday. It's now out in general release uh, as of Friday as well. Um, directed by Andre Overdell, who directed Troll Hunter, which I'm a big fan of, and you have never seen still? Cool. You, I have ask? I have told you to see it. Um, I watched Ugly Dolls instead. <laughs> and produced by uh, Guillermo del Toro, um, with a screenwriting, I think a screenplay or story credit on yeah. this one as well. Um, based on the series of books from the 1980s maybe and then there was a tv show of that series of books as well um i think yeah. i think there was a tv show as well so our story is a group of young kids at high school mm-hmm. in the 60 1968 Yes, yes. So it's the year before Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I'll spoil it now. 
it's a better film than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, yeah, That's 1968. What we last week. Yes, that was it. Okay, uh, we've already blanked it out from our memory. Um, so Stella, Ramon, Augie, and Chuck. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they go to a haunted house or a house that has got sort of a haunting as part of its backstory of you know. Uh, uh, the daughter of the family was kept locked up because she was different somehow and used to tell scary stories. They find her book of stories. Yes. And for the reasons that are best known to Stella, she takes it home with her. (laughs) And the book isn't quite done writing those Mm. stories yet. And do you read the book or does the book read you? The book kind of reads you. When you think about it, the book reads you. Um, so yeah, basically, like, and then bad things start happening. Yeah, and the stories start coming to life. So here's here's the stuff that I really loved about this film. I think the kid stuff, the kid dynamics, really work. Mm-hmm. I really like the interplay between the kids. I think the, some of the dialogue is really good. It's a little bit stilted at the beginning, yeah. the first like twenty minutes, but after they get the book home, that's when it all starts like, at working times for me. It seems a bit scripty. If yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you could tell this is a script, mm. but then it kind of eases into itself a little bit when things start happening. Mm-hmm. It kind of becomes more, a bit more like okay, this is happening. Although there are times towards the end where it's like okay, mm-hmm. okay, that's what this is doing now. The the final scene, yeah, is just very scripty. Yeah. But but by that point, it built up so much goodwill with me like, that, I, that it's I, I I didn't mind it. Um. So it, essentially, the the way it pans out is it acts as sort of vignettes, I suppose, mm-hmm. smaller sort of, um, yeah, like anth- it's an anthology story more than anything else, but it has that connective tissue between it as well. And the 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 monsters in the stories, you know, are pretty mostly well rendered and look yes. creepy enough. There's one I don't like because it's very CGI, but there's one that I absolutely adore. Yeah, in terms of the way it looks, because it is. Just, it's not even the scariest looking. It's just really, really unsettling. unsettling. Yeah, um, and I and that's the ones I love more. But there's one towards the end as well, which is very CGI, and I'm like, that's so much different to the rest of them. Yeah, it almost feels out of place in in the film. Um, but it's it's a weird film because it falls somewhere between a PG. So in the in the states, it's a PG thirteen release. Over here, it's a fifteen, and I think that's the problem mm. because. It is like a young adult horror film. Yes. But it's not a horror film for horror... For people who are now used to watching 15s and 18... Although you... There's not that many 18 horror films anymore. But certainly people who are watching those sort of 15 rated horror films. It's not quite at that level of intense scariness. No. Uh, there's, no it, there's no real gore of which to speak. No. There's a couple of moments where you're like, ooh, okay. And it's 15 over here even, for sustained but, horror. Yeah. And this is my big concern for this film is right. So I, I'll say I really enjoyed this. Mm. I thought it was actually that was worried it was going to be too scary, but it wasn't. It was kind of the right level of kind of yeah. This, this I saw going in, I was like, I think this is going to be a good like entry point. We're well, not entry point because you've obviously seen horror films before, but this is like a good stepping on point to yeah, the horror the thing, fran- horror industry again. The thing for me, is the way I looked at it was I looked at it against the film Crawl, which we watched because that's a film that. I, I said was quite quite bang, mm-hmm. quite quite bang. Like it's constantly going, oh careful, careful, oh something's in your face, 
And I was like, I don't like that. I don't like somebody going, oh, don't worry, everything's fine. Oh, no, no, it isn't. Mm. But this was more a case of it was suspense. It was tense. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't there to kind of throw something in your face and be like, oh, that's that's scary. It's kind of like, no, the dread is the scary part. Mm-hmm. The, thing, the fact that some you know something's about to happen. Yeah. Or you, know, you can see what's about to happen. And that was scary of it mm-hmm. actually you jumping out at me. And it has a couple of jumps in there. But actually, it's, it's, it is that sustained horror. And my concern for this film is that because of the way it's rated over here, is I think it's going to miss... It eliminates too much of its market. And I think it's a film that over here will find its audience on a DVD or on streaming because it is good. And it is, it's a good example of a horror film that doesn't have to have huge amounts of gore. It doesn't have to have, you know, it doesn't have to have naked teenagers in it. <laughs> In order to get that 15 rating. It's 15 rated because it couldn't be a 12A over here. The BBFC have decided that it couldn't. And I think I think that's probably true in terms of... You see some of the kids who are going to 12As. Mm. And the problem is... You have to rely on the parents to be policing the 12A. I think you got to rely on... And I think in this case... It's probably erred on the side of caution... And is probably justified in doing so... It's a shame, but I do think when it comes to Netflix, which I'm sure it will within about a year or two, mm-hmm. I think this will find an audience there. And I think if... You it's know, a shame because I think it's actually on a big screen, it, it works well. Because yeah. that cinema picture, that cinema sound, like mm. sometimes you can't match what that what a cinema can give you. You can't Particularly match Particularly with well. horror films. Um, because it is all those, those little sounds, those little mm. things that you notice. And seeing like, some of the creature, like uh, the creature you really love, that mm. scene... Is really well shot. Yes, um, and I'm I'm really, um, really worried that it's just going to miss. Yeah, its main audience that it could have, which I think you know, I think you could show this film like the twelve to fifteen bracket. Mm. I think would get a kick out of this. It doesn't yeah. be that kind of film where you go. Oh, did you see it? Yeah, I, I sat through it. And I got through it. Like you talk about at school, but like, at school. Oh, I got through. Yeah, I yeah, got yeah. through scary stories. Like mm-hmm. it's. For, for somebody like my age, like my age, it's a case of yes, I can see the dread and I feel it and I, you know, I, I understand it. But for that, it's like that thing of just going that kind of bravery of being like, oh no, I got through that, mm. um, and I think that's the perfect market for it. And I think it's just going to miss it. And I think that's a shame because I think box office wise, this is going to take a hit. Like, yeah, it's not going to look great. But like, mm. I think if you looked at it on that, it's not going to look great because mm. I don't think it did well in America either. And when it came out over there, like I saw a lot of stuff about people going, go and see this film. Everyone seems to be sleeping on it. Um, which means that then studios are less likely to take the punt on films like this. Mm. And obviously, you know, we flip side of the coin though, you know, you've got stuff like It coming out. Yeah. Which, which did. Again at 15. Which did get that mark, that audience. Mm. And, you know, we'll make studios go, okay, we can do this. But obviously studios read into that and went, oh, no, what people want is more Stephen King. So uh, this is just looking at the the box office today. Yeah. So it's a production budget of 25 million. So you're looking at 50 million. You, actually, I think you're probably looking slightly less because I think the marketing costs may have been slightly less on this one. But let's say around 50 million. Um, to date, it's grossed seventy-two million, so it's not done mm. terribly. It's a it's a mild hit in terms of I, I think seventy-two million for a horror film should be good. The problem is a twenty-five million budget is a little too high for. I think they expected the the clout of I think Guillermo to kind of. Well, I think that has carried it. 
Um, which is a shame that that's the only reason that people are going to see it. I mean, I think Andrew Overdahl is a good director, and mm. I think it's well-directed and it's well-put-together. And the performances are, you know, the kids are good. So, I, you know, I, I'd say if you are interested in seeing this, if you've seen a trailer and you're like, oh, okay, I want to see that, then go. Yeah. Because and if you put off, it does uh, deserve your time. And if, like me, you're worried about the spider scene because... Oh, it's... The spider scene is a blink and you eye. miss it. Because mm-hmm. um, I was worried about it and I got through it. Mm-hmm. So if that's what you've been holding off for, because you're like, I don't want to see that scene, mm-hmm. it's very quick. And again, if, you, if you've if you seen some of the TV spots where they've sort of cut it down to make it very sort of short and intense bursts, if you were worried that it was going to be too scary or something, I think you can go and see it without that and without that being a problem. Yeah. Uh, I will be interested, like, you, but like I say, like it chapter one was a fifteen. It chapter two is going to be a fifteen as well, I believe. Um, so that that first it film had an element of this as well, where it it wasn't a horror horror, but it had enough in it to make it work, and it was certainly scarier than scary stories. Well, that one's a lot more jump scary as well. Yes, um, that was a lot more kind of what I like to call new age horror, mm. where there's this. The controverse mm. kind of and stuff like paranormal activity and that kind of stuff really pushed this idea of jump scare horror. Yeah. Um uh, and I think it has more of that. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know whether that's what made it more palatable to audiences and then going, Oh, this is the kind of horror that I'm used to now. Mm. For me, the the film that this probably bears best resemblance to, just in terms of the way I feel about it, is um uh, ghost stories from last year. <laughs> Um, which I think does a really good job of doing that sort of anthology tales thing and being suitably creepy. Um, so it's a would recommend from me. Yeah, I think it's a would recommend from you as well. Um, go and see it. If if you are even remotely interested in it, go and see it because it does deserve your time over some of the other stuff in the cinema at the moment. Yeah. And if you do see it, then tell people about it. Yeah, know, yeah, do. And take it, people like... along if you want, um, if they're interested in it in any shape or form. Because this is the kind of horror I would like to see more in cinemas like I want to see more of this kind of stuff yeah like, mid-level yeah the stuff that's not not quite quite bang yeah it's and not, not super super scary it doesn't have to rely on gore or anything like that mm-hmm. to be like oh this is what makes it terrible ter- yeah it's ghost like, story it's, stuff yeah it's think, campfire actually, tales this is the the more interesting stuff for me so this is what urban legend could have been yeah <laughs> that's what I've always said <laughs> but yeah um, this, that's this, it this, this has gone long. that's it, it no, we're we're no more Sh- shut up <laughs> we're done yeah, uh, thank you for joining us on this. Like I said, we know it's a bumper episode, but there's a lot to get through. Yeah. There's a lot Sorry to about view. the Spider-Man chat. Sorry about gone. almost going into Bruce Springsteen in full. I <laughs> avoided not- going into the albums and why they were important. And no, we're not sorry, because like it's, it's a it's lot our, of stuff. It's our job. It's not our well, job. There's a lot We'd of like stuff to, to talk job. about. Um, and actually, I enjoy it when we do get to go into something like, like that Spider-Man stuff. Of being mm. like, Actually, there is a perception. We did it before when you talked at length about... About um, something or another. Oh, it was the James Gunn stuff. When James oh, yeah. Gunn stuff okay, happened, yeah, we, did yeah, we actually just um, cut the reviews off the end and just did another episode, didn't we? Um, but you know, we've done it a couple of times, and I enjoy doing that. So, thank you if you stayed and listened to the whole thing. Um, I we hope- shouldn't be thanking them for getting to the end. They should get to the end anyway. We're good. <laughs> Our audience loves us, and I love every one of them. Um, Obviously, it's important to say if you want to find us and contact us mm. about this, uh, about anything you've heard, if you want to disagree with anything Alex said about If you're affected by stuff, the themes in tonight's episode. Um, you can contact us on Facebook, Dinosaur Man Nerdcast. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, it's still there. Still there. Um, but you can also find us on Twitter at DinosaurMan15. We're yep. on Spotify, Stitcher, Buzzsprout, Buzzsprout. iTunes. Um, leave reviews. Yeah. Tell us what you think. If you can leave reviews. If you catch too. scary stories, let us know what you think, because I, I would actually be interested in hearing it. And, in fact, also uh, Blinded by the Light. Yes. Uh, because, you know, I felt a certain way about it, but I would be interested to hear more from people like your dad who... <laughs> I don't want to hear more from your dad. I've heard a lot from him. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, do contact us. And I, like I said, importantly, like, if you do enjoy what you're hearing, please do leave a, leave a nice review because that does help us out and mm. tell people about it. Um, let we are the scary know. stories of podcasts. Um, you know, we, we've already gone back on our decision to only do 10 podcasts and done... No, this is the last one. This is it. No, no, we split it into um, two parts. So <laughs> this is our kill will. Uh, uh, thank you, John News, as ever, for the theme song. Yeah, thank it's you appreciated. For, thank you for hosting. It's Andy. been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Uh-huh. And until next time. Well, 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 <laughs> well I'm from Georgia, and uh, as we say down there, uh, join us next time for another Georgia peach of an episode. Thank you. I'm. From Georgia. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. From Georgia, for joining us at the end. And Ben Shapiro, get the hat out of here. With facts and science. Bye, everyone. See you next week.